How are you guys doing? Good. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I am really excited today. We are wrapping up our series called Be Rich, uh, the series on generosity we've been working our way through. And uh, this, to me, is maybe the, the most important message of this entire series. So I'm thrilled that you're here uh, with us. And to get us into what we're talking about this morning, I want to say a phrase, and I want to see if you can finish the sentence for me. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. I'm going to say this, and I want to see if you can finish the last part. Ready? Okay, here we go. There are some things money cannot buy, but for everything else, there's MasterCard. That's right. Okay, most of you got it. Most of you got it. That is actually um, MasterCard's priceless campaign is what they call that. It's one of the longest running ad campaigns ever, and it's one of the, considered to be one of the most successful. The first 30-second uh, commercial that ever aired for the priceless campaign for MasterCard was in 1997. And since then, it's still being run today, and it's, it, currently, right now, it runs in over 200 countries and all kinds of different languages. And so, uh, just for the fun of it, I want to show you the very first commercial in 1997. This is the 32nd commercial that started the, the MasterCard priceless ad campaign. Some of you weren't even alive in this room when this uh, first aired. Some of you will remember it, but let's go ahead and watch that. Two tickets, $46. Two hot dogs, two popcorns, two sodas, $27. One autographed baseball, $50. Real conversation with 11-year-old son, priceless. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. Except that it ballparks coast to coast. Oh, isn't that great? I mean, so there it was. One of the most, and it, that was the one that began it all. Since then, there's been so many commercials and ad campaigns that have kind of spun off of it. Uh, and the reason I believe that this is one of the longest running and most successful ad campaigns in history, I think is because at its core, at its essence, uh, this tells a story that we all know is true somehow. It resonates with us at some level because deep down we know the basic message of this ad campaign is absolutely true. Even if it's being sold to us by a credit card company that will allow us, if we want to, to skewer ourselves with all kinds of debt, right, to get things, still, uh, we know somehow this is true. There are some things that money cannot buy. We know that to be true. Uh, this is my dad's Model 018 1959 Martin guitar. Uh, this, this thing is somewhat of a, a work of art. And uh, my dad acquired this when he was in college in the 60s. He bought it off of a guy for $50. Um, so the, the story that my dad's told me is that I, apparently this guy who owned this guitar had gotten his girlfriend pregnant. And so he was looking to sell all of his stuff, right? It's time to grow up. And so my dad did not play guitar at the time. He wanted to learn how to play. Um, but what he did is he basically, not even knowing what a Martin guitar was, he just uh, offered this guy $50 for it. And the guy took the $50. And so my, my dad got to take home um, this guitar. Now, uh, years and years later, this is the guitar that was in our house when I started learning how to play guitar. And so I actually learned my first three guitar chords on this guitar, G, D, and C. I remember just sitting there for hours in my bedroom. I mean, literally, uh, I'm for hours as a, as a teenager, this is gonna completely 
date me right now. It's going to show how old I am. Uh, but I remember sitting in my bedroom as a high school student with the radio on, listening to all the pop songs that were on the radio at the time in the 90s, and sitting there with this guitar trying to learn how to play all these guitar riffs of all my favorite bands. So of Nirvana and U2 and Pearl Jam and all that. So just hours just sitting there. You're just uh, endlessly just pouring over these songs, learning how to play them until I could play the guitar. And then uh, after that, it was a, a couple years later where I really started to, to follow Christ seriously. And I started to learn worship songs. And this was the first guitar I ever sat and led a group of people in worship together with. It's for the youth group that I was a part of. And there was this group of us. And I, I remember this is the first guitar I ever used to sit and lead worship with people with. Um, this guitar has tons of, of memory for me. I mean, I've just spent hours with my family, uh, with people I care about, worshiping, playing music. It was the guitar I learned on. A few years after I moved out of the house, my dad had, by this point had figured out that the name Martin carries some value when it comes to guitars. And so he took this old 1959 018 in to have it appraised. And it has all the original hardware on it, has the original fretboard, the original uh, uh, bridge, and so he took it in, and, and uh, imagine my dad's surprise when he took it in to be appraised. This guitar that he paid 50 bucks for today is worth somewhere around $6,000. It's a collector's item. Uh, last year, my dad and my mom moved into a condo in Indianapolis. They're downsizing. My dad's 71. So he brought this guitar over to us, and he gave it to me. Kind of a surprise. He said, I want you to have this. This is yours now. You, you're the one who spent all this time with it. It's, it's your guitar. He, I want you to have it. And he gave it to me. Uh, and now I have this guitar. Um, this guitar is worth thousands of dollars. But to me, it is priceless. Right. You got it. Uh, it was Abraham Joshua Heschel, the great Jewish writer, who said, it's not the things of our lives that give significance to our moments, he said it's actually the other way around. It's the moments of our lives that give significance to our things. That, that's why this guitar is priceless to me. It's not because of the name Martin or the original hardware or the wood or the, the bridge that it's made out of. It's because of the hours, the moments, the hours of my life that I've spent pouring over this guitar and spending time with it. That's why it's priceless to me. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit today about the things that money cannot buy. Uh, the, the issue for many of us is that, and this is kind of where I want to go as we talk about this uh, series and close it down, is that for so many of us, the reality is we are spending some of the best moments of our lives in order to accumulate more and more things. And we can't figure out why it's not fulfilling us. We can't fi figure out why it's not bringing meaning and significance into our lives. And so, I mean, have you ever heard somebody say, man, I've worked really, really hard to have these nice things? Have you ever heard that? Because we think that's the point of life, right? I, I spend my best moments, I work really, really, really hard, and then I'm able to have nice things. But at the end of the day, it's actually the moments of our lives that give significance to our things. And so we're going to go back to this passage of scripture today that for us has been kind of like an anchor passage throughout this. And I want to talk a little bit today about what money can't buy, because there are some things that money can't buy. And Paul calls those things the life that is truly life. That's, that's the phrase he uses in the Greek, the zoe that's truly zoe. It's this life that's truly life. And so um, this is 1 Timothy chapter 6. This has been the jumping off place for each message in this series. 
And so, uh, again, if you haven't heard it, the writer Paul is writing to Timothy, who is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a very wealthy community, was a very thriving marketplace community. And so this is what Paul tells Timothy. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So according to Paul, the life that's truly life, apparently it has something to do with being rich in moments, in good deeds, in being generous and willing to share, in living life with people. Apparently there's this life that's truly life and it has nothing to do with accumulating things. It has to do with being rich in moments. Um, now, Jesus actually had a famous memorable slogan, too, about what it means to, to be rich in moments and what it means to live the life that's truly life. And it's actually even more popular and more famous and more long-running than the Priceless Campaign by MasterCard. You know it and I know it as the golden rule. Okay, so you may not have realized that Jesus was the one who actually said the golden rule, but I guarantee all of us have heard it. So I'd love if, let's just say the golden rule together out loud, can we? I actually learned it in the King James, so I'm gonna say it that way, but, but uh, the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Exactly, that's the golden rule. And we've heard that all our lives. Do unto others as you would have them, as you wish they would do unto you. But, but, but what happens is a lot of times, first of all, maybe we, you didn't even know Jesus said that. But for many of us, even if you knew that Jesus said that, we don't really understand or realize how absolutely revolutionary that ethic was when Jesus first said it and when he taught it. So if I could give you a little bit of context into the culture of the time when Jesus spoke those words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, uh, in first century Palestine, uh, the Romans were in charge. They were the empire that controlled everything. And in the, the known world at that time, that was who was in charge. And so the Romans, in order to uh, you know, keep control of their empire, in order to broaden their empire and to get messages out, what the Romans did is they made currency. They created coins and currency that represented their empire. And so this is a uh, Roman coin. This is actually one that would have been minted a little bit after Jesus' time. But there were multiple versions uh, that the emperors would make of all, of all their coins. And on the front, you see you have uh, the emperor. You have Caesar there. And then on the other side, I don't know if you can see it from where you're sitting, but there's this, these, these words that go around the, the uh, coin on your right, the back side of that coin. And it says, liberalitas Augustus. That's the words that were printed on all the Roman coins. Liberalitas Augustus. Liberalitas Augustus in, um, the, in Latin means generosity of the empire or generosity of the emperor actually is what it means. So liberalitas Augustus, generosity of the emperor, was sort of like a propaganda tool that the Roman Empire used. They printed all, all their coins. And the basic idea of the generosity of the empire is be generous to the empire and the empire will be generous to you. That's the main idea here. The core idea is if you're generous 
to the emperor, the emperor will turn around and then be generous to you. So it's the basic idea of it is be generous because you can get something in return. Um, liberalitas was actually the Roman personification of generosity. And so she's personified as a woman. You can kind of see her there on the coin holding a cornucopia. And that's how she appears in different versions or different formats uh, uh, every time you see her minted on these coins. And so it's do good, be generous to the empire, and, and then the empire will reciprocate and be generous to you. So it's generosity based on reciprocity. Do unto others based on what they can do for you. That's the ethic. In this culture, where it's do unto others uh, based on what they can do to, unto you, you would never, ever be generous and give to someone who couldn't do something for you in return. You would never give to a widow or to an orphan these were the people in that society who, could, who had no value. They had nothing of substance they could offer back to you. And it's into that culture of reciprocity, that economy based on reciprocity, that Jesus steps in and he speaks the golden rule. Do unto others as you just wish they would do unto you. And this was a revolutionary idea, a revolutionary teaching for this time. And don't do it based on what they can do back for you. Do it based on what you wish they would do to you. Now, even if you knew Jesus taught the golden rule, what's funny is we never really read the rest of it. The actual statement was just part of a larger passage of scripture of teaching that Jesus did. And so we're gonna look at that together. If you're curious, the golden rule is found in Luke 6, starting in verse 31. It says, verse 31, do to others as you would like them do to you. But then Jesus keeps going. He says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return, right? Who's he talking about here? He's talking about Rome. That's what he's referencing. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are, who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. So if you're, if you're looking for something to write down in your notes there, the, this new ethic that Jesus taught and it was so revolutionary for this day, was do good to those who can't or won't do anything good for you. In an economy based on reciprocity, which was just, I'll do, I'll do unto others as they're able to do unto me, based on what they can give back to me. Jesus says, if you really want to understand the heart of God, if you really want to be about your heavenly father, do good to those who can't or simply won't do anything good unto you. Uh, in fact, the word caritas is, the root word there is the word charis, which means grace. The word caritas is where we get our word for charity. And, our, and charity means exactly that, doing good to those who can't or won't do anything good for you. In this series, we've talked about uh, a few different forms of generosity, right? So we've talked about tithing. And tithing is disciplined percentage giving. And David referenced the 90-day tithing challenge that we're living into right now as a church. 
Um, we talked about this idea of being rich toward God, this form of generosity where we're not storing up things for ourselves, but we're being rich right now toward God. It's about our heart. It's about a heart transformation. But I would say this form of generosity, charity, what we're talking about today is the purest form of generosity. And the reason it's the purest form of generosity is because it most aligns with your heavenly father's values. You're never more like your heavenly father than when you are stepping into this form of, ger- of generosity and you're giving to those who can't give anything back to you. Jesus essentially is saying, there are some things money can't buy. But if you wanna attain those moments, you have to be willing to give to people who can't or simply won't do anything for you in return. It calls us to be completely unattached to what it is we're giving. And the only thing you're gonna get in return, you're not gonna get something of value, but the only thing you're gonna get in return are moments, the life that's truly life. And this is, this is what Jesus invites us into. That's where the blessing is. That's where uh, we, we really experience God's heart and God's full blessings is when we can give without any strings attached. Those are the moments that money can't buy and that we step into when we, when we embrace Jesus' teaching here, the life that's truly life. To illustrate it, uh, if I was broke, and there have been times in my life where I, I've been very close to that exactly, um, but imagine right now that I'm broke, and this is the only thing of value that I have left in my entire worldly possessions. If you were to walk up to me right now and say, Brian, I'll give you $6,000 for this Martin 1959 Model 018 guitar, I would say no way. No way. It means too much to me. This guitar is priceless to me. I'll go hungry and I'll go home and sit and play this guitar. That's fine with me. And I wouldn't sell it to you. I literally wouldn't take it even if you offered me $6,000 and I was flat broke. But imagine that one of my four boys was dying and they needed a life-saving surgery in order to save his life. And I was broke and this was the only thing of possession of value that I had, I would sell this thing in a heartbeat, just like that, in order to provide a life-saving surgery for my son so he could live. So I, I would trade this thing in in a second for more moments with my kid. And everybody in the room goes, oh yeah, of course, right? Every parent in here is like, yeah, of course you would. You'd be a terrible dad if you didn't do that, right? But, but to really understand what Jesus is saying, let's take it a step further, Now pretend like it's a total stranger who's dying and they need a life-saving surgery and I'm broke and this is the only thing of value I have. Would I sell this guitar so that a total stranger could have life? So that uh, that a total stranger could live? But honestly, that's not even far enough. If we really wanna step into what Jesus is actually teaching and the revolutionary nature of it, I want you to imagine your worst enemy. Literally, right now, get them in your mind. Imagine that person, like even when you think about them, you just get angry. Instantaneously, there's like tension inside of you when you think about them because of what they've done to you, what's happened with them, the way you feel about them. Now imagine that person, imagine that they're dying and they need a life-saving surgery. And the only thing of value I have is this guitar. The question is, would I sell this guitar so that an enemy could live and have life? See, now we're getting to it. Now we're getting to what Jesus actually said. 
I don't know what that does for you internally. I don't know what starts to, to churn inside of you when you hear that. For me personally, when I think about uh, something like that, I think that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. How could Jesus, that, that defies all logic, how could you possibly say, take your most valuable possession that means the most to you and sacrifice it on behalf of an enemy so that an enemy could have life? That's absolutely ridiculous. Anything about that story sounding familiar? Because that's your story and that's my story. Remember, what Jesus is inviting us into here, he says, when you step into this kind of generosity, you are never more like your heavenly father than when you are able to give something on behalf of someone else with absolutely nothing that you're gonna get back in return. What did God the father do with his most valuable, most prized possession, his one and only son? He generously gave him on behalf of his enemies. You and me, who could give him nothing in return. See, when we step into this form of generosity, we are stepping into the gospel itself. It's the core of the gospel itself that God did not hold on to his most valued possession, but he gave on behalf of his enemies so his enemies could have life, who could offer him nothing in return. Romans 8.32 says this, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So you see, the point of this is when we step into this kind of generosity, when we say yes to this and we begin to live into it, what happens is we, re we step into the heart of God. We become like the heart of God. We step into the gospel fully. And, and, and basically the idea is if, if God didn't even spare his own son, but if he gave him up, if we were that valuable to him, can't you even trust him with everything else? And that's what starts to happen when you step into this kind of generosity and this kind of value is you begin to realize we can trust him with everything else. Because we're stepping into the gospel itself. So I wanna, I want to, uh, if I could, we've, we've talked now about what it is and what this, this form of generosity is. So if I could, I wanna turn the corner for a minute and I wanna get just very, very practical for a moment. And I just wanna talk about uh, how do we as a church live into this? Very practically, maybe you're sitting there going, okay, so, so what's my next step? Uh, what does it mean for, for me to step into this kind of generosity? And I just wanna take a moment to talk about how we're attempting to step into this kind of generosity together as a church. And so um, our way for do, of doing this is something called uh, giving ourselves away. And again, maybe you've heard us talk about this, but maybe you haven't understood the why behind the what. And so I just wanna take a minute. Giving ourselves away is exactly that. Whenever you give uh, to giving ourselves away, what we're doing with that money is we're taking it and we are giving it away to people who can't or simply won't give us anything in return for it. And we are, are, are giving so that the gospel can go forward. We're stepping into the gospel itself and we're giving outside the four walls of our church. And so what I wanna do is we never really get a chance to do this. I just wanna take the next few moments and I just wanna tell you what you've done this past year. And so with giving ourselves away, we have these partners um, that we are, are connected to. And so if you have given this past year to giving ourselves away, I just want to tell you a little bit about a few things that you've done. Um, one, you have helped to purchase a generator for Ebenezer Discipleship Training Center in Haiti, eliminating their dependence on unreliable and expensive city power. 
Uh, also, in Ukro in Ethiopia, you saw the seat cards, and David talked about that in a minute ago. In addition to sponsoring children, if you've given to this, you financially supported an income-generating initiative, which is teaching people how to make and sell their own products so they're able to take their life forward on their own. A family promise right here in Grand Rapids. Uh, they're, they're a ministry that works with homeless families. So if you've given to giving ourselves away, you've helped families in Grand Rapids who have experienced homelessness get off the streets and get their basic needs met. Rising Grinds Cafe is uh, it's, it's a new ministry. It's connected with Grand Rapids Center for Community Transformation. And uh, if you've given this past year to giving ourselves away, you've helped them hire and train at-risk youth in our community and to be a transforming presence in the downtown Grand Rapids community. Uh, Hand-to-hand backpack drive. Uh, This ministry, Hand-to-Hand, ministers to kids here on the north side of Grand Rapids who need help over the weekends um, for food. Maybe like they, they get food during the week when they're at school, but then need help on the weekends. And so if you've given to that, you've provided weekend meals to children of low income families. Uh, the essential store, um, the essential store meets here. Uh, it's, it's the part of the store over here on this side of the building that we really own as a church. And if you've given this past year to giving ourselves away, you've helped the essential store provide uh, nearly 250 members. We're up to almost 250 members now. It's grown that much. Uh, that translates to about 700 individuals each month that come through the store and they get uh, household goods and supplies which help them rise above their financial circumstances. And here's the coolest part of that. Uh, There's many people who who have been coming to the Essential Store who have now started coming to Frontline. And they've found a home here at Frontline because of the Essential Store and because of uh, the giving that's happened. And I just want to say to you, if that's you, if you're here uh, because of the Essential Store, we're so thrilled you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you found the Frontline to be a place where you can be and where you can encounter God and you are welcome here. We exist for you. And um, we step into the heart of God and we step into these things. Uh, scholarships for NTS camp and Spring Hill camp uh, combined this past year through giving ourselves away. We were able to send 20 students and kids to camp who otherwise would not have been able to afford to go at all. And they got a chance to hear the gospel and they got a chance to, to find out who Jesus is. This is what you've been up to if you've been giving to giving ourselves away. Um, Now, here's the thing. We want to think of our partners that are up here on the screen as more than just like throwing money to them. What we want to do is we want to create moments with them. And we want to step in as a church to relationship and partnership with them. And so um, one of the things we do, and again, you've probably heard this stuff, but you haven't connected it to the why or to the heart behind it. But uh, every few months, there's a five Sunday month, right? You know this? And so uh, every Sunday, every month that there's a five Sunday month, on that fifth Sunday, we do something called a scent event. So what we do is literally right after church on that fifth Sunday, we just load up and we go down to, um, and we just serve with one of our partners. And we just get our hands dirty and we, we create moments and we're, we do good and we're generous and we get nothing. Literally, if you go and you do that, you're not gonna get anything of value in return, but you will get moments that you will take with you the rest of your life. Because it's the life that's truly life. Uh, our essential store right now, because it's growing so fast, we are wanting to open it up one more day a week. And so, uh, but we need volunteers to do that. We need people to step into that. So if you're interested in, in serving or volunteering to help us open the essential store one, one more day a week, we'd love for you to do it. Again, you're gonna give a bunch of your time and your energy and there's gonna be moments of frustration and you're not gonna get anything of value in return, but you will get moments that will transform you.
and you'll take with you the rest of your life. Missions trips, if, you, if global ministry is your thing, uh, we have missions trips that are gonna be happening over this next year to Haiti and to Ethiopia and Ukro. And uh, nobody comes back from a mission trip unchanged. In all the years we've been doing this, I've never see, seen anybody come back from one of these missions trips and be like, yeah, it was okay. Eh, it was something I gave my time to, whatever. That's not what happens when, when you go, when you experience it. I honestly think the point of missions trips is it changes us. It changes our hearts way more. It's way more transformation for us than anything that happens that we do ourselves. You don't get some big thing in return, but it, you gain some moments that you will take with you the rest of your life. And Jesus invites us into these, into these moments. He invites us into this life. And he says, when you step into this kind of generosity, this kind of giving, you are stepping into the gospel itself. You are never more like your heavenly father than when you are giving and being generous and being rich toward those who can't or won't do anything for you ever in return. And it is the essence of how the gospel goes forward. Man, we, t we think a lot of times it's like the, these supernatural crazy things. And, and certainly God moves in supernatural ways, big, um, you know, earth-shaking supernatural things do happen. But I think the real supernatural power of, of the gospel is how the church incarnates Jesus and steps into the gospel itself with this kind of generosity and this kind of living. Now, those are all organizational things. Um, but I want to close here, if I could, by I just, a lot of times, um, this kind of generosity that we're talking about happens on an individual level here at Frontline, too. And I'm serious. I am so proud of our church. Uh, just the way, I think we get this at Frontline. I think we step into this kind of generosity and this kind of, these kind of moments a lot with each other. Uh, I hear stories like this all the time. But I want to share you, this is an email I got last Sunday after church. So literally after, after church last Sunday, I got this email. This is from a single mom in our church. And her son is right now uh, going to college. He's trying to work, work and go to college, put, in, put himself through college. And money is tight and his car has recently just broken down. And he needs a car to be able to work and go to school. And so she's been struggling um, and praying for him because he's saying things like, man, where is God right now? Like, I'm, I'm working so hard. I'm trying, you know, where is God? Does God even see me? And so um, she sent me this email. This single mom sent me this email. It says this, a very, a very close friend of mine was sitting behind me today at church. Someone who is like a sister to me. Her husband was present as well. They have recently been able to purchase a newer vehicle and I was looking into purchasing theirs for my son. I won't say the names to protect the innocent here. <laughs> As I left the parking lot, I received a text message from her and she literally just, she, she gave me like the text message, like uh, moment by moment. So she literally says her, uh, this is her friend, the car is yours, me. My son is swamped working, but he's gonna reach out to you for a time to get together. Her, I mean, it's yours for free. Me, what? Her, yes, answer to prayer. Me, I got nothing. As in like, I'm so overwhelmed right now. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to respond with. Her, if you or your son are ever able to make a contribution, just make it out to the church. Me, are you sure your husband is good with this? 
which is exactly what I would be thinking. Her, I mentioned it to him and he said he was thinking the exact same thing. So God has led this family to give a car to this other family for this kid who's going, where is God, where is God? God is giving you a free car. That's where God is right now. And I don't know which of these two families is more blessed. I think it's the second family, the family who's giving because there are some things that money cannot buy, Jesus says. But if you want to attain those moments, you've got to be willing to give generously, unattached to people who can't or won't give you anything in return. And when you do that, you're stepping into the gospel itself, the life that's truly life, because you are never more like your heavenly father than when you are stepping into that. So here's what I'm going to leave you with. Uh, last question of this series is what are you spending your life accumulating? Are you spending the best moments of your life accumulating more and more and more things? Or are you spending your life attaining moments, being rich in moments, and good deeds, and being generous and being willing to share? Are you stepping into the gospel itself, into the heart of God? Today, do you need to make an adjustment Maybe for you, you'd say today, God, I just, need to, I just need to come before you. I've been spending my life uh, making it about me, trying to just build up and using the best moments of my life so that I can just have more and more and more and more stuff. And it's time for me to make a shift. It's not too late. I'm telling you, if you're here today, if you're still alive, it's not too late for you. You can make a change now. You can be surrendered now. So maybe today is the day you just say, God, you can have all of me, 100%. And I want you to use me, unattached, here it is. Not white knuckle grip, but open-handed. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close by singing about this reckless generosity of God, this crazy, illogical, irrational, reckless love that he has for us. And so God, that's what we wanna step into this morning. Every single one of us, God, it's our story that we we're enemies of the cross. Like Paul says, at one time, we were all enemies of the cross. And what did, what did you do? The father did not hold on to his most prized possession, but generously gave him on behalf of his enemies that his enemies could live. And that's my story. I'm one of those enemies. And so God, we thank you that you're a good father and that we can trust you. you. You will take care of us. If you gave your son like that, won't you at the same time take care of everything else? And so we step into the gospel itself. We, we step into your heart and we say, God, have your way in us. Allow your kingdom to advance through us. And God, we just thank you as we see it. We thank you for the blessing that we have as we step into it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, let's sing.